Here we are. This is Real World Radio on air. The dire consequences of the gas expansion plans in Mozambique. We don't have to create another example in Africa of extractive industries causing conflicts and social instability. Cabo Delgado, the northernmost province of Mozambique, is suffering. The invasion of the transnational gas industry, attacks by extremist groups and military deployment from a government that seems to hate its people are all creating a frightening breeding ground for murders, forced disappearances, the persecution of journalists and social activists, and the displacement of peoples. In a context of extreme poverty, local communities are feeling disrespected, disregarded and abused. They are awaiting answers from a government they do not trust. While families displaced by insurgency attacks and fossil fuel companies from the global north are looking for ways to survive, the COVID-19 crisis introduced by the very same companies is already raking havoc in an area where health services are deplorable. The catalogue of abuses suffered by Cabo Delgado is more complex than the brutal attacks the local communities have endured for almost three years. Attacks from extremist groups, including the Al-Shabaab group of Mozambique, also called Islamic State Central Africa, that have been occurring weekly of late. Hopeless, frustrated young peoples have found in religious fundamentalism and its discourse against state corruption and the old politics a sense of belonging never experienced before. They are attacking villages and cities, beheading civilians and kidnapping women and children, resulting in an estimated 900 deaths. Approximately 100,000 people have been displaced and their villages set on fire. The organization Justicia Ambiental Friends of the Earth Mozambique, while working with communities in Cabo Delgado, is sending out a global warning about the extreme situation in the area and is urging people to act in international solidarity. Justicia Ambiental is especially targeting the countries of origin of gas corporations from the global north who are operating here and profiting from a business that relies on human rights abuses to thrive. Real World Radio interviewed Daniel Ribeiro, a Mozambican activist and member of Justicia Ambiental. One of the reasons why the area has conflict is due to the social um, issues in the area. Our government has had decades of focusing on the interests of the elites and there's been huge land grabs. There's been a lot of um, the healthcare system has been getting deprioritized. Um, actually, the education is difficult. In a country like Mozambique, Almost 80% of Mozambicans are subsistence-based farmers or fisher folks. So the, the link with the land and environment is crucial. It is critical for the livelihood, for the well-being. And there's a lot of cultural links, and it's, it's home, it's, it's their space. And when you start taking away these lands, when you start making life more and more difficult, when, you, when people start um, having, having a lot of questions of what's going to happen tomorrow, how am I going to provide for my family, and... You add that to oppression, not allowing communities to create movement, to allow the leadership to raise their voices and solve the issues. You oppress them. So what happens is you don't give any options for the people on the ground to solve the problems, to deal with the problems, to protect their families, protect their land. No individual goes into these extreme forms of violence um, if they have a more peaceful, easier option. So this is more an indication of the level of frustration, anger of the, um, the people in North. And let's not forget, historically, the first shots fired in Mozambique against the Portuguese for independence was exactly in Cabo Delgado. The first attack on a Portuguese infrastructure was Cabo Delgado. We have, they are a very proud nation. They, they, the tribes of Cabo Delgado are very proud and respect is something very important. And when you constantly disrespect, disregard, abuse, 
and take the little that the communities have, that's going to sooner or later start causing problems. And that's what we have in the north. And of course, in this difficult situation, you're going to add extractive industry. You have multinationals coming in. You have this little bubble of wealth and of extreme elitism and, and privilege. It's going to make it even push it even further over the edge. So this is more of an indication of what's happening for many years. And it's getting to a point where it's getting desperate, people are getting desperate and going for more extreme options. North of Mozambique is one of the most undeveloped areas in Mozambique. We have very little health care, very few hospitals and health posts. But what gives them resilience is a healthy environment and being disconnected from the global system, which means whenever you have these epidemics, it's never been affected. SARS, um, the swine flu, all these past epidemics never reached there because there was no link to the internet, to these global systems. But with these companies being like, um, in this case, Total and Pacific, the movement between their staff, especially the higher level staff, between this remote area and Maputo and France and the other and the rest of the world has brought in the COVID virus. And what's worse is they were not taking this issue seriously because there was recommendations for quarantine. There was, there was a lot of processes, but it took too long to react. They only started reacting once the virus had got into the area. Two-thirds of all cases in Mozambique linked to the Total project. And Total, of course, is testing the people, testing their staff. They've reduced their activities. But still, how cleaning, security, and other services are getting provided by local staff that live in the communities, and there's very little testing for the communities. The government now is having to use, we only have um, 34 experts, around 30 experts, and we're going to have to send some of these experts to this area, and it's, and it's putting strain on, a, on, the, on the national resources for an issue of a multinational not taking precautions, not listening to the warnings, and now we have a problem. And if it spreads, it's going to be hard to control. The whole country only has 34 ventilators. The only way we can survive this epidemic is not letting it come in. And we had a multinational allowing it in in the most, the most vulnerable areas, so it's unacceptable. And putting this on top already on extremist attacks, on military oppression, because the problem is when you have these extremist attacks, the government then uses these attacks to increase the militarization. So you have a very heavy-handed um, approach on the military on the individuals on the ground, especially community leaders, activists, and journalists that are trying to raise the voice of the people, trying to tell the truth what's happening there. And they take advantage of using this need of militarization to also oppress civil society and try and hide the truth. Many journalists getting arrested. We have to evacuate our staff. We have a permanent staff there. We have to evacuate him and his family because of threat. So we're waiting to see if we can return or not. So the situation is dire. Plus, you add epidemic to it, it's just, it's really a, a sad situation. The military was going at night, breaking to the houses and kind of claim arresting because they were not making arrests, they were just taking people. We do not know where they've gone. We do not know what the charges are. We have no information. They've taken a journalist that used to be somebody that used to work often with us. They've taken away some of the um, technical, like there are people that just disappear. Sometimes we know because there's some eyewitnesses that have identified that the military came. Other cases we don't know who came because they just, we don't know where they are. But also you have regular intimidation, beating up, and also the government, what they're doing is they're trying to increase the number of military in the area. So they're doing recruitment, forced recruitment in the cities. And they're going to, and they're putting people through very fast training. So you have a lot of young people that are scared they are suddenly given power without filtering what kind of people they are. Are they? Are they do they have the right training? Do they? Have, do they have the right stability? So you have. You're starting to have an increase of cases of abuse, 
of other side effects of this mismanaged and very irresponsible way of dealing with this conflict because the military action won't solve the social issues. The problem is not going not to be solved through force. It has to be solved by dealing with a fundamental social issue that's caused, it has been caused by the corruption, by the multinationals and by this form of development that just benefits a very small group of elites. First of all, one of the things they've always asked since the beginning is, if we have to move, please keep us close to the ocean because we need to fish and give us land because we need to farm. And that hasn't happened. They put communities 15 kilometers to 16 kilometers inland away from the ocean so fisher folk don't have access to the ocean. They haven't given monetary compensation, but they still haven't given the la- um, land for farming. So you have a lot of people without any, anything to do during the day with a lot of money in, the, in their hand, but the money is getting used to buy food and do other things. But you also have a lot of other people coming from outside trying to take advantage of this clash flow. And unfortunately, some individuals end up picking up some bad habits, you see increase of alcoholism, domestic violence, so that. So a lot of the people are saying that, first of all, it's not a house or the money that's important. We need land. We need land for not only us, but for our, future, for our kids, future generations. We need to be able to continue farming. We need to continue fishing. And they're saying that since this gas um, companies have come in, since these, these investments have come in, they've got poorer. They said this is not acceptable. They wish that this never happened. They wish that this, this whole gas from investment and all never happened because they've never been as bad as, as now in the last, uh, since, since the end of the Civil War. And they're saying that before at least they had food, they had the land, they had access to the ocean, they had peace. They're poorer, in conflict, and, the situa- and they don't see how to get worse. But they also say that the government never listens to us, so what's the point in stay asking because they're going to do what they're going to do. So, and they even say, like, a lot of the youth are open to more radicals like these. Some youths do mention that they understand why these conflicts are happening. So the fact that people understand it um, tells you that the social frustration, the sense of in this empowerment and disrespect is strong, even among the ones that are trying to do it peacefully. Because it's a very complicated issue and a very dangerous issue, some NGOs have avoided it and moved away from it. So instead of doing the on-the-ground work, you see more groups doing research, doing desktop, analyzing and highlighting the issues from a distance because of the risks of being on the ground. Also, what the government does is to try and create these joint platforms where the company, NGO, and committee and community um, representatives sit down and talk. But what happens is these processes end up being more a process to tick the boss boxes to greenwash. They don't go anywhere. They carry on a lot of talk and they waste a lot of time and they pretend to be doing something. But at the end of the day, the decisions carry on going independently of what is recommended by these processes. So we no longer, we've tried this, we've been there. We do not sit down at the table anymore because the table is just to waste time and disrespect. And also the power dynamics in, the, in these spaces are very unbalanced. Like the communities and the NGOs don't actually have the power to influence the outcome. At the end of the day, um, even in decisions coming from abroad, from another country up in the north, and that the people on the ground in the staff of the company in Mozambique at the end of the day are following a central plan and, and way of working, which is not going to change. So once you move away from that process and then you start challenging and raising the issues, then that's when you start getting a lot of pressure. And that's, and that's when you, get, you start getting threats and you start having a lot of other problems. Yeah, so it's not the first time we've been in this situation. But the problem is our government is getting a sense of impunity because we've had major cases. We had huge corruption, one of the largest corruption cases in, in Africa, where numerous of our high-level officials, including our ex-Minister of Finance, has an international arrest warrant to, because of crimes and money laundering and other problems. So we have the high-level officials involved in crime and no consequences. Then you have elections and there's a lot of irregularities and it's completely fought elections and there's no consequences. So our government has a, human right, a whole bunch of human rights abuses and there's no consequences. So what, what do you expect from a government that does something that is a crime, human rights abuses, and people invest? That's how 
the Tal came in after knowing all this, and Adarko, any, they see our government doing these crimes against its people, doing its crimes against humanity, and they still invest, they still put more money in. What kind of message, what do you think is going to happen with the behavior that you reward governments that do these kind of things with more investment? So therefore, the companies are complices. They are the catalyst. They've amplified. They've been, they're the ones that are given more resources for our government to do more of what it's doing. They're the ones that give the confidence in our government to move forward in more destructive, in this humane ways. First of all, we want people to show that they have their eyes on Mozambique. They're watching what's happening, that we have, that the solidarity people are with us. The thing is, a lot of all these companies that are here are not from Mozambique. You've got Total from France, Shell from Amsterdam, Eni from Italy, ExxonMobil from the US, and on and on. There's so many countries, and in, anyone from these countries, don't forget it, these countries represent your flag. Um, people do not want to be associated with the blood that's occurring, but that blood is on the hands of these companies and on the hands of the, your flag. So we need to raise our voice on where we stand as a people, and we need to go to our government and our companies in our country and make our voices felt. We can sign on and show support, but also we can, we can email, we can contact, and we, we can bombard these companies and the government, um, especially the companies, with the fact that we do not accept this. We don't want this under our name. We do not want this blood in our hands, and we want to move out. And the thing is, this is the beginning. If we stop now, there's still a chance that we can, we can turn this around. We do not have to create another example in Africa of a resource curse of extractive industry causing conflict and putting a country into social instability. We can stop it. But we need to get that message very clear to the companies up north, um, France, um, Holland, Italy, US and all that, that, hey, we don't want this. And we'll be doing an initiative in which we'll be sending out um, sign-on, but we also will be showing different ways in which people could make their voices felt. That's a part of the initiative coming up soon. Every time we talk about numbers and the facts and what's happening, we have to not forget that these are individuals' lives and people that are getting affected. And sometimes, one thing is, I think it's very important to always understand that this is being done in a time where we know the science is clear, we all know what has to be done, we have alternatives, we have options. So the need to extract gas is not only detrimental to the people on the ground, not only is it causes usually a lot of conflict, social instability and human rights abuses, but also it's linked to a system that is the cause of a lot of the problems that are occurring now and we've really come to the conclusion that we need to change. So for me, we need to start really making our voices felt. We need to stop being pragmatic and strategic. And there's nothing to be fixed in the capitalist system. But the problem is actually working too well. The capitalist system is working exactly how it was designed, how it was meant to work, and that's the problem of it. There's nothing to fix. Thinking that we can fix or improve or adjust is not, it's not being realistic. We need a system change and we have to stop pushing for this. And that to me is critical because this is something that's happening on the ground right now, but it's happening all around the world because of a fundamental issue, which is the system. It's the output of the system. It will always be the output of the system. So I think that we also have to keep it always, like sometimes we focus on the emergency and the human rights and we're doing that. But for the people that are far away from us, it's difficult to, it's not as easy to get involved directly on the problem. but. You can get involved in what is causing the issue, what's causing things like in Mozambique, in Colombia, in um, so many countries. So all of us can get involved in different levels. And the important thing is that we move beyond just clickivism and get active in our communities. And the first thing is getting that mentality, spreading the thought of what we want. Because once it's in our minds, it's easier to get it into our action. And sometimes we focus too much on action. Getting people understanding this, getting the philosophy and understanding of what we need as a society is just as important as doing something. And we need to spread that as well. Here we are. This is Real World Radio on air.